So you, it's not to say, I've learned it all, so I'm going to keep it all. I'm going to retain mm -hmm. it all and show mm -hmm. people that I do know it all. Because that's how I used to be. There's nothing wrong with that. I just think that the realism that I worked hard to achieve, which uh, I am proud of, um, became almost an albatross for me if I hung on to it too tightly. If you hold on to one thing too tightly, yeah. I think it becomes something that you bear and it's a burden. Part of the wonderful thing about letting go a little bit is that we're different people from year to year, from month to yeah, month. Right. And especially as, as we get older, mm -hmm. we allow ourselves those things that are human to change. And so why shouldn't that also be represented in our work and mm -hmm. that you're not bound and chained mm. to something that you mm -hmm. identified with years mm -hmm. ago um, because you're not that same person anymore. The Sharpened Artist Color Pencil Podcast. Inspiration and innovation. We're talking everything you want to know about this medium that we love so much. And we're your hosts, John Middick and Barb Sodiropoulos. Hey there, welcome back to the show. My name is John Middick of sharpenedartist.com. And I'm so glad that you're here with me uh, for another show. And I'm excited today to welcome to the podcast, Peggy McGovern. Peggy, I'm, I'm super excited to have you on the show. I've been a big fan of your artwork for a long, long time. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you, John. I really appreciate uh, the fact that you would uh, care to listen to my raspy voice today. Um, <laughs> I'm feeling fine, but if people were to talk to me after this interview, it might sound a little different than today, but as long as it's legible, <laughs> then that's it's okay. It's coming over just fine. Yeah, yeah. No all worries right. at all. Great, great. All right. So, guys, <laughs> if you're a colored pencil artist at all, then you are familiar probably with Peggy's work, and you've seen it around. And what you may not know is that she has a long list of different publications that she's been in including the Wall Street Journal, Newsweek, Sports Illustrated, the Smithsonian, and the list goes on and on. You can go over and check out her uh, website to take a look at that. But before we start and talk very much about some of the early years, I, I want to ask this, Peggy. You, your artwork, so you're, you're mostly doing portraits, and... Mm -hmm. These are colored pencil portraits, right? I mean, you're for the most part. Yes. And oh, so yes. these are very different than uh, what you know what we see with a lot of high realism colored pencil portraits, but they're very, very realistic. How, how would you describe uh, your work to someone that may not be looking at your work right now? What, what would you say um, sort of encapsulates like what you're doing yeah, in portraits? Yeah. 
I, I would describe it as realism with a twist. It has my usual retentive nature of wanting to have things done with great detail. But then again, to restrict some of that tendency that I have to giving every bit of information I could possibly give to the viewer and put in other things in which to describe visually uh, a mood or a mystery, something that makes the viewer put in their own interpretation for lack of seeing information. Um, mm. for, for many years, uh, well, when I wanted to get better as an artist, it was all about getting that realism to be even more finite, even more uh, intricate. And um, mm. if I did not show that, it was as if I was mm. telling people, I don't know how to do it. And mm. um, it, it was almost, I was risking people saying, wow, uh, her ability has really dropped off quite a bit because I'm leaving things, quote unquote, undone. Um, but it's purposeful. It's absolutely purposeful. If I wanted to, I could fill in everything and sure. be as close to, well, I don't know if it'd be photorealistic. Uh, I'm not into doing a lot of the photo um, distortions that come along with describing things through a camera lens. But mm -hmm. I would I would call myself a high realism artist. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, I have to say for many years I did that. Uh, I did that because of my early work as a commercial illustrator. And um, so I could kind of backtrack and start from the beginning on that story. And yeah, so let's, took let's all do these that. years to undo it. <laughs> okay. So yeah, so um, let's do that. Let's do this. Um so right. that's that's so interesting. You're uh you're self taught, right? And um, yes. It, it, yeah, so but you've worked as an illustrator. So let, yeah, let's rewind the tape. Let's go back and so what age were okay. you start you know, when you started drawing, what age was, was that? Well, I have to say, uh, my earliest memory was when I was on the floor of our family home um, in the hallway, long carpeted hallway. And my mother, she was also on the floor, helping me to draw uh, an eye. Uh, and um, I don't have a whole lot of memories of myself at that age, four or five. Yeah. Yes, my brother, he remembers but you remember that, but no. not me. But <laughs> I remember that. It made an impact. Uh, but I also have to say that I was also born uh, as half-deaf. And um, mm. it was very difficult for me as a youngster to start relationships with other children uh, because I would be so messed up with, what did they say? Or uh, mm. I would answer mm -hmm. it correctly. Or I wouldn't answer at all because I didn't hear them. And so, therefore, my social skills were um, perhaps thwarted. And then I just naturally withdrew. Well, no pun intended, I drew. <laughs> I kept drawing and drawing and drawing. Um, and that became almost my introduction to people. They knew me as the shy girl who liked to draw. 
So in school, um, that helped for me to uh, have a little bit of uh, identity. Mm, and mm-hmm. even in um, high school, I remember the first time I ever had a public showing of my work, it was around a building that was being constructed, and the project was we all had a panel uh, of on the wood that went around this new construction. Well, my panel was stolen, and I don't, don't know. It was some large woman's face, of course. I was so into portraits even then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it started to tell me that, wow, okay, maybe um, there's something to this, that even my friends, you know, people that don't know me, aren't interested mm-hmm. in my work. Um, well, even though it was kind of uh, theft with that, that it still kind of made an impression to me. But I went back and forth thinking, what do I do with this? My dad was superintendent of schools. My grandfather was superintendent of schools in another district. My mother was a uh, teacher. I had all these academic people around me. Yeah, right. And what was I going to do? Be an artist? So by the time I got into college, I took everything but art. And really? um, it was only, yeah, because <laughs> I thought maybe there's something else Were you going to be an educator there. yourself? Well, I kind of fought that a little bit. Yeah. Because um, I thought maybe there's got to be something else. There's something else that might interest me. And again, I was very yeah. shy. Um, the hearing aids at that time were still analog. Everything was difficult mm-hmm. as far as getting mm-hmm. along socially. But finally, uh, for the last two years of university, I did start taking a couple of art classes. This is not an art school. Um, so it was a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, mm-hmm. Did some ink, did some clay, pottery, you know, whatever. Anyway, at the end right. of the year, um, actually it was the end of the, when I was just about ready to graduate, I have this portfolio, if you want to call that. It might as well have been a large piece of luggage. It didn't have anything professional about it. We didn't talk about the presentation or even what the functionality would be for it, except to collect work. Anyway, mm. but I just put it, my stuff in there, put it in the um, uh, instructor's office for review right. close to graduation, and that was stolen. And uh, ah. So by the time I was done school, I had I'm nothing noticing to show a pattern for here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so I, uh, I thought, okay, fine. So I became a dental assistant. Makes sense, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> what What time um, frame are we talking about? Like, when when did you finish college? What years was was that? Oh gosh, I have to give that away. It was in the seventies. Okay. It okay. was in the mid-70s. Okay. And yeah. um, so I was just finishing up um, a job in, in the dental office, and I was looking okay. through the newspaper. And this was after like four or five years of being down in the mouth. <laughs> and there was this illustration in the, in the newspaper, and I thought, I can do that. And so I called them up. Uh, it, it happened to be the name of the store, uh, of course, with the ad. So I found out the store was in 
the town next to where I was living. I called him up, and I was very lucky that somebody answered the phone and said, oh, yes, you can talk to our art department, that they actually had an wow. art department there at the store. Yeah, yeah. And that the art director happened to even speak with me. Could I just call Wow. Yeah. And, um, and I'm saying, hi, uh, I saw you have a drawing in the newspaper, and I, can I show you some things? <laughs> so, that's, um, that's exciting. She said, yeah. yes. So at the end of my um, usual work day of being a dental assistant, I would sketch black and white uh, graphite mm -hmm. work. And so that's mm -hmm. what I had to show her. I came in one day, she looked everything over, and again, it was loose leaves, nothing professional. And yeah. uh, she said, change this, change that, change this, this is wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Thank mm -hmm. you very much. And I left, <laughs> and I did all of that. Called her back now, up and how said, do you want to see what I've done? at that time? I was 22. Okay. okay. 23. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so she did it to me again. Changed this, changed that. I went back a third time, changed this, changed that. Finally, five times, I went back and forth. And at that time, she said, would you like to work here? And huh. I said, great. What do I do? <laughs> Oh, you'll be our layout artist. Great. Mm. And what is that? I don't know what that is. <laughs> so I was trained to design um, advertising and sketch in where the visual will be and where the type will be, et cetera. Right. So right. that it's in place for the real illustrators. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was the beginning of my job in the art field. Um, now, I've heard so, a lot of people get burnt out on that type of job. Did, oh, did that, well, yeah. That happened? Um, uh -huh. To an extent, um, yeah, because I, I really did find there was a lot of repetition in that. Not a whole yeah. lot of creativity. Um, right. But you start to be introduced to other other people that knew other people, et cetera, so... When I was talking to the illustrators there on a break, they would talk about this person's work and that person's work and where they were, find out about, oh, people working at Macy's, people working at the Emporium. Um, mm -hmm. So huh, I called, cold called again. I just started show up. And, um, <laughs> and they looked at some of my layout work and they wanted to hire me. So oh, wow. I quit that job. That first job, by the way, was for the old Liberty House store. Oh, and okay. um, it no longer exists except for in Hawaii. Uh, but that was downtown Oakland at the time. So then I go to Macy's, do the same thing. Then I go to the Emporium, do the same thing. Finally, it's this network. And one of my uh, colleagues said, I heard about this new company called Banana Republic, and they're looking for an illustrator for their catalog. Oh, I cold calls and got a hold of the art director, and I walked in, and all I had was black and white sketches that I'd do on my own time, and he hired me on the spot, and he said, okay, what we do is we work here with colored pencils. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, dear. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I've never so, worked with colored pencils. 
Oh, interesting. So what what um what yeah. year was that? That was eighty uh four, eighty five. Like, like mid eighties? Okay. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We work with um, colored pencils. Mm. Yes. We work in colored pencils. Is that pencil. the first time for and you then? Using? For first time. Yes. Okay. Uh, I had to learn literally on the job. What mm. they had was the Derwent Studio brand colored pencils. They worked on Strathmore medium tooth paper. And the signature for the old catalog was clothing without a face. So the mm. figure was literally not there, but it looked like it yeah. was wearing clothes. And, right, uh, right. I made my mistakes. I'll tell you, his one first project, I nearly got fired as quickly as I was hired. They gave me what they thought would be the simplest thing to do for someone that only knew black and white. White shorts. So back in the day, those white shorts had fleet, had um, the pocket stitching, had a belt mm -hmm. loops and all that, even had pant cuffs. Mm. And so, oh, I've got to show all this stuff. So I'm trying to think, okay, what color would go on a white short? So I thought, okay, blue-gray, right. blue-gray. Blue so I put blue-gray uh -huh. here, blue-gray there, blue-gray there. Oh, that's right. I need to do stitching. I need to do pleats. And oh, yeah, I guess there should be a fold here and there. I get it and show it to my art director. And he says, we're not selling gray shorts. We're selling white shorts. And oh my it was an important lesson for me that yeah. when you're just trying to fix something that the recipient or your viewer is looking at, their interpretation of the color is where the light hits. And so you keep that as true to the white, add your detail in the shadows only. Mm -hmm. And they'll get it. They'll figure it out. You don't have to show mm -hmm. everything. Right, right. But I was rather intimidated there. Uh, my first day, I sat at the table with the only other illustrator at the time. And I turned to him and I said, I'm so excited to be here. I just can't believe I'm here. And he said, I can't believe you're here either. Oh, and, my goodness. Uh, Wasn't he warm and fuzzy? Oh. Well, he was very, very charming. Uh, so I felt um, intimidated, but... You know, it lit a fire in me, and yeah. for me to have to learn about colored pencil all the time. And to prove and I, your position, yeah. Prove. Yeah, makes sense. and I, thought I made it up to senior illustrator, and uh, nice. I was doing things like leather and, um, and sweaters and mm. all kinds of wonderful knits and Right. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And then the gap bought them out. And so that's oh. when we knew that the writing was on the wall. But with the art, uh, art representatives that came in for some freelance work, they approached me, or one did actually, uh, the local one from San Francisco. And um, I ended up going freelance. And that's mm. when... I got to do more than just clothes. Uh, that's when I did the work for the Smithsonian and Newsweek and Sports Illustrated, the Wall nice. Street Journal. That was a weekend right. job. Oh, really? Um, wow. And uh, 
it was lucrative. It was fun. It was varied. Yeah. I started to get um, art representation in Los Angeles, Chicago, and New York at that time. Wow. Didn't have to worry a thing about business. Uh, uh-huh. And all they had to do was to draw what I saw. Either the product mm-hmm. was in front of me, or if mm-hmm. I had to take a photo of a product, and mm. I duplicated it. That means mm. show everything in detail. Right, right. Well, let's fast forward to computers. <laughs> and then the computers were starting, they were very, very um, coarse in those days. But they were starting to inhabit some of the things that we would have done uh, as hand-done illustrators. I almost feel like I was at the end of the crest of the wave on mm-hmm. hand-done illustrator and advertising. Mm. Um, and so at that point, uh, freelance started to get less and less and less. And so what am I going to do? What am I going to do? All I know now is I work in colored pencil now. You know, I had good training at Banana Republic. Is that Republic that's primarily what you did? Week. Yeah. Yes. And and you uh, only everything. used colored pencil at that point as an colored illustrator. Colored pencil. That was it. That was it. Okay. Because that's how I honed my skill, and that's yeah. how people came to identify my work. Right. Um, and it was really great for duplication of detail. Yeah. Uh, so I did everything from. Well, I did one for Honda, which showed a rabbit in the desert and all these little shrubs and, you know, the plateaus and all that. Um, And then I would do batteries and then I would do, do, um, oh gosh, um, other fashion illustration. And and, uh, Mm -hmm. I did a billboard um, in Grand Central Station. Uh, I did a CD cover, you know, all kinds of stuff. What uh, surfaces? What surfaces were you working well, on back then? I I kept with all that I knew, and that was Strathmore, and that was uh, usually the one hundred or two hundred pound weight uh, medium tooth. And You're just uh, drawing paper, and then the Derwent okay. Studio. Uh-huh. That was it. Uh-huh. Drawing paper, Strathmore drawing paper. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. then yeah, I was just gliding through. <laughs> yeah. Just finding so, through uh, being used to what I knew. And so... But that was the problem. We, yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I, I keep talking over you. Sorry about that. Uh, there's a yeah. little bit of a delay, I noticed. So go ahead. That was the problem, you said. Yes. Well, that was the problem, that um, I was fighting through comfortably, no matter what the subject. I knew my tool. Mm-hmm. I knew my surfaces, and it was like, great, you know, it was a smooth thing. It was wonderful. It was lucrative. I could make, uh, you know, 10000 at one small illustration, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that took maybe two days. Do mm, Right. But, wow. but the, um, and then we're talking 1980s and 90s here. So you got so, very, very fast, um, sounds like. Yeah, I did. Yeah, because, well, you have that little bit of the boot camp in the Banana Republic with uh, eight hours a day, seven or five days a week. So, um, mm, yeah. yeah. But once I was kind of out on my own, 
this, there was right. the, the work was just not as much. I kept using what I knew and doing what I did and um, trying to see how that fit in Stalin art. Well, it sort of did and it sort of didn't. The, the fine art comments, when I got uh, comments about my fine art, mm-hmm. it would range from, well, it looks just like a photograph, yeah. to why didn't you just take a photograph? Right. And so you either have adulations or you think, what? And why is that useful to do that sort of thing? <laughs> right. Um, what? So, so when, when we're, when we're talking about, so when you were doing illustrations, so for companies, mm-hmm. were you working on your own fine art, uh, artwork on the side or something or? Well, it's almost like that painter who never does his own home, right? Yeah. <laughs> I just, I was tired. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure yeah, it was hard to find the time. You probably wanted to relax and do something other than draw. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, yes, and you're right. I did not do anything on my own. Uh, and uh, so, there yeah. was a time where uh, I regretted that, and I started to say, listen, just put in a couple of hours. And mm-hmm. so I did some black and white work, just kind of go back to what I knew before commercial yeah. illustration and uh, right, right. and that was fun and I started showing that around in local galleries I was um, in Carmel for uh, a little while with that but they were very huh? small uh, and dark and well there was something that was missing I guess maybe it was mm. me uh, it just I was running out of steam and out of interest in my own work i think okay i just used it all up Mm. so there was one pivotal moment i was talking with someone who she she mentioned this story about someone who did this beautiful poem and it was given to um a friend as a gift and it was beautifully scripted and hand done ink with and framed with gold and matted and and all that and she she received the gift and she said wow this is a piece of art how mm. much time it took you to to write this out in longhand script and beautiful cursive uh and then he said well what did you think about the poem oh she had to think about that <laughs> she had to think about what it was that was the message she yeah. was looking at the beauty, but where was the message? Mm. And so from that point on, I thought, I don't have to keep proving how beautiful or how detailed I might be able to make something. I want to be able to require of the public some sort of interaction that either might not be... um expected some people will feel completely different than other people mm. but they think mm-hmm. you know something yeah and it's been my challenge ever since <laughs> okay right you've been working then at the fine art angle for yes. how long then have you been like well, working on your uh, own work yeah the freelance went quite quite a bit i think it was 
Yeah, 2009 is when okay. um, I started becoming into pine art. But okay. it, I am a slow learner or I'm to- totally stubborn. But when you're kind of you've indoctrinated yourself, frankly, when you've done one thing mm-hmm. so much, and there is a cartoon I remember also, it says a miserable artist does only what they know. Well, I was miserable. (laughs) I felt like there was never challenging yourself, huh? Yeah. Right, right. Right. And the challenge for me was to create a less than perfection. Mm -hmm. That the ability to be better doesn't mean that you have to do more explicitly, yeah, um, more skillfully, right? Um, That's difficult. It's so hard to. That's hard for a lot of a because lot of us um, who maybe spend a lot of time uh, trying to acquire the rendering skill, right? And then to right. go in that opposite direction of uh, not being so hyper focused on details, right? That's that's a difficult exactly. challenge, especially I would say in the medium of colored pencil because it. It lends itself by the very nature of the medium to just leaning in and rendering every little tiny, tiny thing. Um, so what, absolutely true. Yeah. yeah, and I've I've been teaching since two thousand and nine because if, in order for me to um, have the ability to do some fine art, I wanted to at least about teach what it was that I already knew. If somebody wants to know explicit realism, I was able to show them how to do that. Yeah, right. But that's another story. I'll back up to that about how that came about. But Okay. <laughs> um, at the same time, I did not want, I wanted people to be inspired and not required. No, they I like that. A, a, a skill set, but at the same time, allowed these thoughts of saying, well, what if I blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, you know, and what if I don't agree with doing X, Y, Z? Yeah. So the, the teaching part of it with, and I'll, I'm going back to that now, was kind of uh, hilarious because for all of the years that I've been working from the floor in my parents' home <laughs> up to um, becoming a fine art and instructor, uh, I was really rendering um, what it was uh, I knew, but I didn't really think about what I knew. Mm-hmm. I think, okay, how, 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 do I, how do I do this? How do I so actually I had to go back render and sort of, that? Yeah. Right, right. So I've been able to uh, compartmentalize some of the things in which um, I utilized for my work mm-hmm. and that is whatever you do if you're working especially from photograph walk into that photo because you're looking at something flat that's a bit cropped or whatever and you're thinking uh, of terms of oh yes i see things to the left and to the right i see things to the bottom and to the top but do you see things forward and back Mm-hmm. I mean, if you were to walk in there, do you think, what can I touch first? What would I touch second? Mm-hmm. Third? And then be able to kind of get some depth with that. 
So that's mm-hmm. like number one. It's, and it's to take your mind and what you can't see, mm-hmm. put in place of that with what you know, mm-hmm. what you know right. instinctively. Right. right? Um, so teaching has been a wonderful component to this uh, new journey. Uh, yeah. Because finally I've had to ask myself after challenging my students, what have I challenged myself lately? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I went off to deep end, and I'll, I'll say it was with my piece, Carol. Um, mm-hmm. I love that. Was, love that uh, in the De Young Museum. Thank you. And she's a good friend of mine. She's also very deaf. Um, and wouldn't you know, she was one of those artists that I talked with at my very first job at Liberty mm-hmm. House. And she was the one that told me about Banana Republic. So oh, it, wow. it's all kind of full circle. But yeah. Carol, um, I was fighting, you know, uh, getting getting the eyes and getting them all that intricacy and detail and yeah. everything. And then finally, when I said, okay, would you stop being so retentive? I'd have to literally take a pencil. Um, and I would actually use my Prismacolor art sticks, which is the same oh, yeah. material as Prismacolors. Right. And with a fat line, I just, just hacked it right across the piece. I said, okay, <laughs> now you can't go back. Now you can't go I've back. I've done that. <laughs> and yes, I've done that with my husband's work tool, which is this little roller that's got spikes on it for yeah. texturing wood. I wow. textured my work. I went, okay, there's no going back. How many accidents go on in your studio? I'm just, I'm just teasing. <laughs> uh, Call 911 again. accidents. <laughs> yeah, well, oops, are yeah. the precursor to opportunity. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, and I was for, yeah. Yeah, and if you're looking at the video version of this, guys, uh, I've got that up over there in member circle. Of Carol, I was first exposed to this piece. Uh, I was judging a show. I don't remember which one now it was. It was amazing. I was like, "What in the world is this colored pencil?" That's amazing. This is not a photograph. Everyone knows it's not a photograph as soon as you see it. But yet, it's rendered with such precision and detail in the hyper realistic. Uh, style of uh, what we love about colored pencil, but yet it's so expressive. And there's just uh, this immediacy with the face just glowing and, and coming forward. But then you've got all these colors surrounding everything in the background, and it's it's phenomenal. So those of you that are well, looking at the, the image right now, if you weren't familiar with it, I'm sure your your jaw is dropping right now. Yeah, She's so, but I mean, on this is sanded a, paper. It's on sanded paper. Yeah, so it was the UART it's show, I believe. Then. Um, so this is, so it's 800 grit. Is that what it is? Uh, yes, I love, I love the 800, 600 grit. Yeah, uh, yeah, yep. so good. So good. <laughs> and what uh, size is but that? But yeah, the whole thing is covered pencil. It is um, 18 by 22, something like that. Oh, pretty pretty um, substantial, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she is a hundred percent colored pencil, except for her hair, which was the neo color of her Karnash. Yeah, neo color, right. right? One, so it's not the neo color one. Okay, not the water soluble. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Yeah, 
not the water soluble. Interesting. Uh, and then the Prismacolors, uh, premier brand, and I only use 18 colors. Really? So I don't use it, yeah, only 18. Uh, my colors are wacky. Um, mm. Metallic, uh, or sorry, neon orange, neon yellow, neon pink, parrot green, light aqua, uh, processed red, huh. uh, ultramarine blue. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Not at all what I yeah. thought you were going to say. Okay, so are you uh, are you concerned about light fastness at all? I mean, obviously not. Oh, I, guess. I know people. I know a lot of people have asked me about that, and uh, I think well, not not so much. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I I know it's going to change it. I know it's going to change it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I figured that. Oh. You know, it's really weird. When you think about some of the colors that were in the Sistine Chapel before it got cleaned up. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the frescoes were hauntingly beautiful. Right. Then it got right. cleaned up and they're nice and bright. And yeah. I think, oh, I don't know. I guess it both, either way is good. Um, but <laughs> okay. yeah, I have That's worked with, with the light fast as well. And there's never a time where um, I'll, I won't try it. But the problem is, is that while I'm teaching, I ask my students to use only 18 colors of the Prisma Studio brand because they're easier to find. Mm. And if you don't have that color that you want, you have to make it. Right. And then when you're trying to make it, you could be very happy that it turned out to be something different. Yeah, uh, but it's the blend of these colors that is what's so wonderful for depth, right? And uh, and mystery you, ha you have and a full that. range of values. So, um, are are you using black or some other just real dark, dark color? Well, I like to do an under under base of uh, values in dark umber. Okay, what it does to me is that. It, it makes you look at your value range. Yeah. So dark umber is fairly good for that. Right, so right. you get your darkest dark with that. But I also go to my lightest light with dark umber. So it's kind of a monochromatic under undervalue right. sketch. And then the colors naturally adjust mm -hmm. when they go on top. Right. So right. It, yeah, it's just a, a kind of a fun way to do it. Yeah, that is that is interesting. But I love experimenting too. Okay. Yeah. Love experimenting. You never know. I think that um, when people in my class get used to the idea of of only having eighteen in their arsenal. Yeah. Uh they think that they have to blend and have to use this and have to discover what happens. Yeah. And most importantly, develop a confidence that they can work with little. Yeah. And so that's putting more demand on you than it is on yeah. your materials. Right. Right. Yeah. I love right. that. Then, then we can expand that if you mm -hmm. want. But I love putting more of a demand on the artist's yes. creativity and discovery process than Absolutely. your materials. Absolutely. I, I feel like uh, screaming and yelling amen right now. And... Uh, Doing a cartwheel because 
I mean, it's something that I talk about a lot with my students is uh, just limiting that palette and don't, you know, don't be married to an exact color. Um, just, just grab a yellow, grab a red. It doesn't matter. Um, so essentially that's what you're doing is you're, you're limiting that palette with your students. It sounds like, so let me, let me ask this though. Do you, do you, um, do you always use like sanded paper? What, what are like some of your favorite surfaces? Uh, well, it used to be the Strathmore and it still is, but, um, so which Strathmore paper do you like lately? Um, gosh, I don't have a particular uh, um, preference. I, I mean, I love, I love the board where it gets like a four hundred okay yeah. pound weight to it. Yep. But right. as long as it has a medium tooth, mm-hmm. um, okay. You know, I, I, can zoom is good too, but it's slightly less toothy. Okay, and it's the you know it's that texture that allows you to have a wonderful rainbow. So. Color right. and, and uh, depth. blending, yeah, but, right, and depth. But the sanded paper, uh, Carol was my first portrait on sanded paper. Oh, okay, first time, gotcha. And I'm thinking now, uh, because it was the first time working with it, uh, I didn't try to control it, it was um, almost like, okay, yeah. this is more powerful than my experience. <laughs> and so I just. So before that time, you were using that. paper most of the time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so I love sanded paper. I really, really do. Um, the UART sanded, one of my favorites. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Sorry so about good. my voice. Okay, take a sip of tea. Oh, yeah, no, no worries. Yeah, take a sip. I'm going to do that too. Huh. <clears throat> <clears throat> Yeah, well, um, the uh, sanded paper, uh, usually in a dark tone, mm-hmm. uh, is is one of my favorite things to do. You um, like that one, too? Okay. I think I'm going to, yeah, I really do. I really do. It immediately puts you into texture. And yeah. color pencil artists have, uh, uh, have a lot of comments about, oh, I don't want texture, I don't want texture. Um, because you can uh, you can get things really smooth and believe it. Back in the day, that's what I would do: is get things really smooth. Yeah. So you're talking Nothing about just obliterating that. that texture of the tooth of the paper, just getting rid of that texture. Well, is that what you're talking about? Oh, okay. Or are you talking I'm about texture only in of some places? Uh, I, I just wanted to clarify the term texture. You're talking about getting rid of the the tooth, the look of the tooth underneath. Is that right? Or are you talking about rendering no, texture? I'll have, okay. I'll have to explain a little bit better. It's really what I'm trying to explain about how I love uh, sanded paper is that you can build it up to have a smooth surface if you wish. Yeah. Like in yeah. Carol's eyes, fairly smooth. Uh-huh. But a lot of artists love to have that smooth look. And right. I did typically also. And there's nothing wrong with that. But right. with the sanded paper, your first few strokes are immediately textured. 
just by nature of the yeah. surface. It's right. very sure. bumpy, of course. Yeah. So it's something that you can say, well, do I really want to fight this or do I want to allow the material to uh, do something here? You know, yeah. why do I want to? Okay, I figured that art is like a dysfunctional relationship between the <laughs> artist and art. So yeah. say you're, you're ready to do some work, right? And you're looking at this blank piece of whatever, paper or sanded paper, whatever it be. Right. And you've got your ideas of what's going to happen, and you're going in for it. And then might work for a while, but then sometimes this thing comes up and it's art saying, nope, not so fast. Look to what just happened. Yeah, right. Well, do I want to get into an argument and try to say, no, 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 I had my idea, back off, and try to get <laughs> right. it back to what I wanted? Yeah. Or yeah. say, uh, can't we just all get along? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and have that, um, have that open-mindedness yeah. to saying, why should I control everything right right it's the yeah. experience it's it's a malleable experience when you're creating work it, mm -hmm. it's a mood as you're listening to music sometimes yeah. you're going to have percussion sometimes it could be smooth soft um and um, art should not be a one note wonder yeah in my opinion <laughs> right <laughs> right. <laughs> right no that makes a lot of sense uh, I really like that. But but a lot of colored pencil artists, they do want to get into that argument, and they do want to beat that surface into submission and make it look just yes. as smooth as possible. <laughs> That's right. And again, I'll say there's nothing wrong with that right. because everybody has their own vision. Yeah. The only thing that I'd like to impart with them, uh, with anybody, is that truly ask yourself, if you want that image to be that way because you're more uh, concerned about what that image looks like rather than do you give yourself away with some of the imperfections that we have as humans, some of these strokes that kind of go wacky. Mm -hmm. When you meant for it to go smooth circle, mm -hmm. it goes straight. Mm -hmm. Or when you meant for it to be a soft landing, it gouges. Yeah. Well, you know, some of that human experience of allowing us to um, have our identity yeah. mixed in with the subject right. matter that we yeah. were here. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, why not a photograph yeah. then, right? If we're not going to allow some of that. <laughs> I love that. No, that's so yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, you know, although... Again, in, in defense of people that love to do photorealism, yeah. with those people, I would say, you know, you know, absolutely. It is something that you should hold dear to your heart that's good enough for anybody. Exactly. Uh, I just find that it was good enough for me for several years. Right. I decided that, um, well, first I was getting bored. I didn't notice yeah. that I was getting angry at myself or that I was annoyed. <laughs> the, yeah. the boredom came on subtly. How do we know when we really need to change? When it comes on so subtly, do we take less time with our work? Are we not enjoying it as much? Are we mm -hmm. thinking that 
okay, um, I could just sleepwalk through this next project. This mm-hmm. is really going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get used, we, you know what, you have to get used to being uncomfortable mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. my classes. Mm-hmm. That when you're uncomfortable, when you're that much uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just normal. It's yeah. normal. Right. <laughs> so what are yeah. you only use the Prismacolor Premier? Like you're not using uh, like Derwent uh, light fast pencils or Caran d'Ache luminance or nothing else? Huh? Uh, well, only because my students have been required to that. So when I say, oh, this is what I've done lately, my last three, four pieces have only been with those 18 yeah. Prismacolors. Gotcha. However, just like like my thought, it's like a miserable artist does only what they know. I'm going to go and do some different materials. In fact, I was given as a prize the Luminesque um, kit of 500. It was just oh, wow. it was fabulous, this gift of all these colored pencils. Yeah. And I will use them. I yeah. have my Derwent pencils still from my commercial illustration days. I'll go back oh, nice. to them. Yeah. It's, um, I'll be ready for another change. Uh, yeah. I've gotten, I've gotten enough of the status quo with, with Peggy being Peggy. Is that Peggy? Yeah. She's still doing that <laughs> from, from years ago. And right. now I want, well, when you think, what, what's my signature? That's going to be really tough to identify when I'm going to be changing it so much. But <laughs> a lot of artists have. Yeah. Um, right. I'm I'm required to my to kind of do away with having people know who you know who it was that did this work. Maybe it doesn't look like a Peggy McGovern. Um, I think I'll always branch out and try something mm-hmm. different. Interesting. At the so, end of the day, uh-huh. it gets you. It gets you um, a step further. And to knowing more about yourself, mm-hmm. when you haven't, when you require something different, you've got to sort of like kind of pull your big girl pants up and say, okay, I'm going <laughs> to face this now. Yeah. And uh, get a little bit more added to your personality. Hopefully. Right, right. Are, are you showing work in a gallery or are you doing commissions or do you mostly teach or? What what do you what consumes most uh, of your days and weeks? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I would love to get back into showing. I have not been because of the um, uh, COVID. We haven't had any uh, galleries that have been open up until okay. right. um, recently. Where I've been up in um, Northern California, primarily right. in Mendocino, uh, and uh, uh, I was. I think that I would love to do more museum work, mm. but it's the problem with me is that um, I was teaching too much, mm-hmm. and during the pandemic, I had online Zoom classes. I have right. lots of students because I love them all, uh-huh. and I just, right. you know, uh, I just couldn't say no. I love doing that. I wish yeah. I could just put myself into. And do both those things. Yeah, but right. I finally, just a couple of months ago, 
made the decision, cancel classes. I'm not going back uh, to my brick and mortar classes. I was teaching at um, the Pleasanton um, Firehouse Arts Center mm. um, and at it's different places, almost full time. Yeah. Um, You're going to do it online through Zoom then instead? Um, I, I've done all that already with, with Zoom. Yeah. Are you going to continue to do that? that. Oh, you quit only, that as well. Okay. Gotcha. I quit that ah. only if one person wants one at a, at a time, a little consult or something. But, okay. Um, I should have said, okay. This is time for me to just do my work. And uh, I've been able to come up and actually do a couple of new pieces in the last few months, which I haven't put on my website yet. Nice. And I'm going to keep being a little selfish that way. Yeah, yeah. So, and what are, what are I your plans? Students, I love them. <laughs> oh, yeah. there's nothing um, like teaching. It's so fun. What are your oh, plans with those new pieces? Yeah. Well, I'd like, I would love to find um, an agent to help me get out and, and do a display that, of my work that might be fitting for it. I don't do okay. work that is typical, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I have sold some um, really unusual pieces in my, on my website. Uh, uh, They've gone to different states, and they have all been sold, most of them. It's nice. just that um, it's, not, it's not something that is as prolific as mm-hmm. people looking for more things that are, are beautiful and decorative. Mine are different. <laughs> um, and uh, I find that it's probably more fitting for an urban setting, uh, you know, um, a younger, mm-hmm. younger audience, perhaps that mm-hmm. doesn't mind things being slightly askew. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a little more offbeat. <laughs> and so I'm going more in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I want to take color pencil where it's, it's not typically what it's thought to be. Yes. I, I want to smash that. I want to smash that theory and that um, stereotype that people have with color pencil illustration and take it into color pencil painting. Yeah. So we're going to get rid of the the word illustrations, right? That's what they call color pencil. Illustrations makes me nuts. (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah. Now, the materials that I might do more of, which I haven't done a lot, is the, um, where you have a collage of some sorts. So mm. there's a piece that I have, it's called um, Midnight in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and um, it's an African-American woman, she's got paint on her face, that's colored pencil. And then we have um, acrylic, we have paper mache we have the grass that you put in easter basket mm. i have my grandmother's doilies in there um and it's all glued and painted on okay i see a lot of and, that actually uh, um on your in your studio you? um on your website your portfolio rather on your website 
so I saw um, Midnight at Mardi Gras, I thought. Uh, is that one? Yeah, that, sorry, the, Mardi Gras. Okay. Mm-hmm. So is that, what is in the background there? <laughs> well, this is on a, um, it's on an aqua board. Okay, and, right. Uh, uh, and I put a cover of a uh, matte medium with some sand in it, and I okay. put it on top. And I was able to illustrate with my colored pencil the face. And then out from that, the body, uh, the clothing is the packaging tissue paper that you put in, get boxes, um, mm-hmm. the hair, the ringlets, this, the uh, basket um, grass that you get for Easter basket. Mm-hmm. And um, the part that's up on top of my grandmother's doily. And so then watercolor goes on top of that. And, and, and the, how did you... Uh, goes on top of that. That's interesting. How did you adhere that to the board? So that, well, when you use a matte medium, uh, it's, it has an uh, adhesive property. Okay. Okay. So the matte medium uh, also is applied to each one of these materials. Right. And you just take a brush and you wash the back of the fabric with the paper, put it down. Squish it, lift it up, right? Like you're making a cake, right? <laughs> it dries in little peaks. And, fascinating. Um, yeah, so that was fun. eye of the storm. It's another fascinating one. I'm guessing you use sort of the same process with that matte medium. Well, you know what? That one, that one was implied texture. Okay. So it might look like there's some uh, actual items on top but yeah. it has um it has uh pastel color pastel and the neo color the neo color one again neo color one okay. mm-hmm. i believe that's what i have on that interesting and then, of course the color pencil uh-huh that is fascinating so these are all different attempts as I was trying to come up to. This was all before I worked on um, sanded paper. So I was kind of feeling my way yeah. uh, of trying to make texture. Somehow the thing about texture just got me going. It was yeah. the antithesis of colored mm-hmm. pencil. So I was just trying to find something that would say, okay, uh, hit me there. And so yeah. I tried it with the fabric and the collage, and I tried it right. with the different mediums of the neo color, um, and uh, tried it with. Um, oh yes, there's another one called uh, Richard. Let's uh, see, Richard. There's a gentleman, um, and he's surrounded by texture. Yeah. So is that the one called Altered Ego? Altered Ego. Thank okay. you. Yeah, okay. that's my friend Richard. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and he also has fabric and cardboard. And uh, so, yes, he's a collage. And mm-hmm. so I'm saying, okay, I need texture, texture, texture. And it wasn't until I tried the sanded paper that I realized I could get texture without applying other materials. Uh-huh. And um, so I sort of stuck with that. It was really great to see what pencil did on sanded paper. 
So you've done subsequent pieces on, on Santa paper, I'm guessing. And are yes. you using the same material? Like, are you using solvent or water or uh, what else are you no, using? No, no Any other blending tools? Nothing? No. no, just the pencils themselves? Nothing. Any favorites yeah. you, you can you, tell if us? If you go to, uh, huh? yeah, like the one of Dolly. If you bring up Dolly, uh-huh. um, she was uh, my second piece on fabric paper. And she's my good friend. We had a, the nerve to move to Georgia. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, she, she's a, a, a love. And um, I took her photograph and she said, well, Peggy, I just worked out. My braids are all a mess. And I said, perfect. Yeah. So anyway, I did her... Um, on sanded paper with uh, a chalk pastel and then uh, the um, wax pastel, which is really the neo color is a wax uh-huh. pastel. Right. And uh, so she's, she's one of my favorites and I love bringing in the, the blues and all that. But again, that's 18 colors. Did you have trying to, okay. Well. So you're sticking with that 18 colors. Um, let me see Dolly. Oh right. yeah. On okay. her, on is. her face. It's yeah. Dolly. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah. A- after that, I'm working on a new one of Roseanne, and she's going to come up uh, when I get finished having my way with her. So that's the book that's just going to be completed in the next uh, week. What about erasers or, in, or a favorite pencil sharpener? Any other favorites that you have is regarding hey. materials? Um. Sure, sure. I like using the Tough Stuff eraser, um, and I don't consider it getting rid of stuff. I consider mm-hmm. it a drawing tool. Right. So it will make splashes and, um, uh, you know, it's, okay, I've I had that quote which said, so the lead will produce the vision if the eraser doesn't fight it. So <laughs> try to not have the eraser undo things. Right. So that when you have that discussion with art and something happens, and you can say, well, okay, maybe that was meant to be, instead of using an eraser, you add more of what just happened. Mm-hmm. See if that might be an interesting way to go. Right. But the other uh, eraser is the kneaded eraser. So mm-hmm. you can just lift things up, and that creates um, uh, additional texture. It's, um, yeah. So when I think about favorite tools, I know I've been very limited in my arsenal, mm-hmm. and uh, that was purposeful. But yeah. um, I think that um, in the future, when I start to keep going along on this journey, uh, I'll probably have different answers about that. I think okay. the only thing that would be the consistent, the only thing that's consistent is the fact that I want to keep evolving mm-hmm. and finding a way in which I can get out of my own way mm-hmm. and allow um, something to come up. And, and that's the hardest thing in the world, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, right. And it how, is, isn't it? How? Yeah. It's, we're, we're so used to, um, and, and it's, it's pencil illustrators, we're so used to uh, thinking that, well, if I only add this, it will fix the problem. If I only <laughs> add that, it will fix the problem. Well, sometimes it's like 
try not to fix the problem. Look at what you have and see if it's telling you something. Yeah. And so that's that. My when I think about my journey in the future, it it's not about okay if I gotten into so many galleries or or shows. Although it's fun to do, I um, mm-hmm. I find that it's really my journey is about working through the psychology of being an artist. Mm-hmm. It's not about being mushy. It's not about oh I can't draw unless I'm in the mood. No, mm-hmm. it's not about that. It's about diving in and facing forward into that uncomfortable thing um, and working with those moods, not mm. try to escape them, not covering them up, mm-hmm. not perfecting them, not smoothing them over. Wow. What, so what advice would you give to, um, to an artist, a color pencil artist that, you know, they're, they're still so focused on rendering rendering skills and just trying to be hyper realistic and and they do maybe even get the occasional comment from people it looks just like a photograph or the derogatory comment why why did you replicate a photograph you know that kind of thing what what advice would you give that person i would tell them that Yes, it's necessary to have and some instructional time to learn the material. Yes, it's necessary to critique certain things if realism is your goal. Um, that's a high, a high lofty uh, goal in mind. And so it requires study. It does require practice. It does require critique. And even when you think about the tiniest thing, like edges, edges of things. Right. With color pencil, well, we have the tiniest point available to us. You might think about the edge of the eye and the the beginning of the face is a tiny point of the pencil. Well, guess what? That actual structure is fatter than that point of the pencil. So do not make things so short, right? right. Things have edges and soft and gradation. And, um, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of complexities to that. Learn the craft, sure. But at the same time, try to be a little schizophrenic. And try <laughs> to keep another part of you yeah. intact with... Um, Having another project, perhaps, working with another project where you release some of these strokes where instead of holding your pencil and having only your fingers in, uh, at motion, that yeah. you learn about moving your wrist, moving yeah. your arm, stand right. up while you're working, um, gouge. So, but you're, you're, doing, uh, you're doing both, right? I mean, you're, you're riding that fence um, quite skillfully. Trying. like. You're you are uh, creating realism, and, and then you're also becoming an abstractionist in the same piece. How how do you? I mean, how how do you impart that and tell others like how to do that? Or did you just do that for me? Did you just answer that already? Like I I think that somebody coming to the medium of colored pencil, if they want to do 
what Peggy is doing, I think they don't, you, you can disagree, but I think they first need to have very strong representational art skills. They need to know how to render accurately very, very well first, True. right? Would you say? Okay. True. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, your, your yeah. art's not going to have the same mm. impact if, if you're looking at what Peggy is doing and you're saying, yeah, I want to do that. But you've not taken the time to study portraiture uh, first. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So, yes, yeah. learn the craft. Um, yeah, yeah. And if I didn't say that strongly enough. I'm glad you brought it up again because that is a very important factor of this. Um, the, that bar is awfully high when it comes to realism. Right. And uh, right. you can't fake it. You can't no. fake realism. So no. you got to know your stuff. You have to be very, very um, uh, disciplined. Uh, it's so yeah. funny because it's, again, it's it's like an oxymoron. You know, you have to be disciplined, yeah. but hey, let loose. But, <laughs> right. But right. The, 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 the discipline allows you, and this is what I teach my students, that you learn everything you need to know in order for you to figure out what you can do without. Mm. So, mm -hmm. so you, it's not to say, I've learned it all, so I'm going to keep it all. I'm going to retain mm -hmm. it all and show mm -hmm. people that I do know it all. Because that's how I used to be. Um, mm -hmm. Aaron's, um, and again, nothing's wrong with that. I'm one, it almost sounds like an old Seinfeld thing. It's not that there's <laughs> anything wrong with that. But <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. I just think that the realism that I worked hard to achieve, which uh, I am proud of, um, became almost an albatross for me if I hung on to it too tightly. And that they say that things that you love, you got to let them go a little right. bit. I don't know. It's, it's almost like uh, if you hold on to one thing too tightly, yeah. I think it becomes uh, something that you bear. And it's a burden. Right. So part of, part of the wonderful thing about letting go a little bit is that we're different people from year to year, from month to yeah. month. Right. And especially as, as we get older, mm -hmm. we allow ourselves those things that are human to change. And so why shouldn't that also be represented in our work? And mm -hmm. that you're not bound and chained mm -hmm. to something that you mm -hmm. identified with years mm -hmm. ago. Um, because you're not that same person anymore. No, yeah? no, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I love that. Thank you. You're talking about uh, some of the prep work and, and the vision um, and, and then you're talking about on your website that your art is pure. You're a visual messenger and you're expressing these things. These are not, um, you know, projected compositions. You say there's no photographic copy underneath. Um, but what, what is involved in that preparatory stage of trying to, I guess, get to the point where you're on the easel and actually executing 
What what kind of vision is in your head ahead of time? Do you do a lot of preparation? Oh, it's just pure mayhem. It's, <laughs> oh, that is so great. That is a great question uh, because I do not knowing knowing how I was with uh, locked locked in tight yeah. to uh, my earliest renderings. Uh, right. I don't purposely do any free drawings. Um, so it's a lot of spontaneity, I guess, right? Oh, uh, yeah, it drives me crazy because <laughs> um, I have to, I have to kind of work it and then it changes. And then that, what I just did, changes what was up in the left corner. And then they go, okay, well, do I want to bring that down? Maybe different something would we'll go in the middle and then do, 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 do running around the, the whole thing like some maniac. It requires a high level of skill, though, to be able to create a compelling composition that doesn't just turn into a mess, uh, to see something that is lively and, and is morphing and changing before your eyes, and then you're making all these micro-adjustments all over the place. It would be fascinating uh, to kind of watch this process. I don't know if you video anything that you do, but that, that would be something not, to watch that. I have not done a video of the, the, the that, that sort of morphing. Yeah. Um, it, it would be a riot, but you know what? I've made plenty <laughs> of messes. I really have. I've had, I, I, I've talked to myself and said, well, there you did it again. You just, you kind of did too much. You think, well, if I only did this, this would help. And if I only did this, by the yeah. time I'm done with adding this and this and that, I've had too many of thises and that's. So I take a, a, a neo color and I literally go over that and say, can we just have a place of calm? Do you uh, need to have all that there? And so yeah. I do go back and forth, back and forth. I'll hold it back. I'll hold it upside down. I'll look at it in bad lighting. Um, and uh, take pictures, of course, as well. You take but, pictures uh, of it and kind of look at it in a thumbnail I, size or something. Oh, yeah. And yeah. So th this is when it looked okay. This is when it, something went wrong. This really went wrong now. This <laughs> back a little bit. Oh, no, it went wrong again. And when I say wrong, I, that's probably yeah. <laughs> the wrong word. Don't yeah. want anything wrong. Yeah. Uh, this is what happens. This yeah. is what okay. happens. And right. then you find that your your uh your focus was somewhere that detracted from uh a revolving around the image or uh, mm -hmm. a direction, um or or yeah. as you say, even the composition in mind. So right. I've really enjoyed this so much. Guys, oh, I don't I know if it's too. coming Oh good. I don't know if it's coming across, but Peggy is um She's a delightful person, but she's very humorous. And I don't know if that's actually, I always think that someone's going to get this certain impression uh, by my guest. And then sometimes I find out they got an entirely different impression. You know, it's like, like, this is a funny person right here. I'm talking to <laughs> this is, this has been so, this has been so great. Uh, I know that this will be so inspirational for so many people. Is there any, parting advice uh, that you want to give anybody uh, listening today or in the future and uh, regarding just, you know, the 
you know, wherever they are on their art journey, and I don't know who you want to talk to, if it's a beginner or someone who is more advanced or someone in the middle, uh, but any parting words of advice for anybody? Yes, um, and I want to follow up that with one last comment to you personally, but and don't worry, it's a good thing. But um, the parting advice um, would be to anyone on a skill set level, and that is to think of what's attached, that pencil in your hand. goes all the way up to your heart and your head, mm. and you're like one entity here to keep um, connected with mm. you, mm-hmm. identify you, think about what you love, what you mean uh, um, to say in your work, and um, what's important to you. Um, and artists naturally have very low self-esteem, I think, just because we're so mm-hmm. used to criticism. And, of course, mm-hmm. it's not everybody's going to like what you do. Especially when mm-hmm. you go off the deep end with some abstracts. Let me tell you, I've had people say, why? Why'd you do that, Peggy? I mean, it was, why? She looks so angry now or something, right? <laughs> and, um, so I, I, uh, I know you're going to lose some popularity along the way if you start to deviate. Mm-hmm. But that means you've got to believe in yourself more than, anyone mm. else yeah that certainly um comments will come and comments should be received mm. but at mm-hmm. the end of the day you're the one to either take it or say thank you very much mm. i'm not going to pay attention to that <laughs> yeah yeah but one last thing i'd like to say to you john is that you've given this platform here um that i've never had uh, and for other artists to be able to um, express um, outside of their tiny little studio, you know, where we're all standing, you know, cloistered in their our right. work, be able to speak beyond our four walls. And uh, mm. without you, this wouldn't have been possible. So I really, really thank well, you for that. Thank, thank you. That's very heartwarming. I appreciate that very, very much. Guys, if you're not part of Member Circle, uh, you can get started over there before the price increases. And what you get over there is the full video version. It's a rough cut version of this interview with Peggy and uh, some things that didn't make it into the final cut. And uh, we spoke, you know, nearly an hour and a half um, uh, talking about everything that. Peggy wanted to share regarding her art. And so it's a a great benefit, but that's not all you get over there in Member Circle. You also get uh, long play video versions of the process videos. Uh, You get photo references. Um, It's an active forum where you can converse with other like-minded artists. And, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of benefits and the list can go on and on. You get discounts to some of the Sharpened Artist Academy uh, courses, and you also get early release access to certain things as well. This is a video show and also audio, and it's available on just about every platform, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the list goes on and on. 
And I would appreciate a rating and or review if you like the show. I appreciate you guys being here. Uh, it means so much to me. And uh, again, Peggy, thank you so much for being on the show. And it was lovely thank having you, you here today. Thank you. All right, guys. Same time, same place. And we will talk to you soon. Until then, take care and stay sharp. Bye-bye.